ordinary people. That's uh, in many ways, it's who we are. I hope nobody is upset by identifying as as ordinary. But the thing that struck us, uh, the thing that struck us over the summer that influenced um, this series was the life of Peter and John. You couldn't have found in in the first century. You couldn't have found more ordinary men and fishermen and here were these two men that went around the towns and the cities and the villages of the Middle East and bringing the good news of the kingdom everywhere that they went and it was remarked that they were just unschooled uneducated ordinary men and that's one thing but the the, the thing that marked them the thing that set them apart was that they had been with Jesus and so that's what we're that's what we're longing for we're longing that we get to, as we continue to, to make our way through these conversations that we want to have we want to get to that place where as as ordinary people the thing that marks us the thing that sets us apart the things that makes us different is that we've been with Jesus and so that's what we want to do we want to keep provoking ourselves with the words and the ways of Jesus because we don't want just, just to learn about Jesus and we said that we said that two weeks ago we the first the first six weeks of our time in the recreation center was looking at the person of Jesus and learning about him, and uh, we want to learn about him. Who else? There's no one else. There's none like him. There's no one else. Who else could we turn to? As as Peter said in in John chapter six, where else would we go? Where else could we? Who else could we turn to? We want to learn about him, but actually we want to push that a wee bit further in these weeks and months leading up to Christmas. Because we want to rearrange our lives. We want to invite you. We want to invite you to consider rearranging your life. To put, you rearrange your ordinary lives, your ordinary daily lives. Rearrange them. Put them in order. Uh, in order to put the words and the ways of Jesus into practice for the sake of the world. We're wanting to rearrange our ordinary daily lives. In order to put the words and the ways of Jesus into practice for the sake of the world. And I hope that you hear that last line. Because often we think we are rearranging our lives. We are we're putting everything in order so that our devotional life feels better. So that our Sunday morning experience feels more, feels more special. And we want all of that. We think, that's, we think that's the byproduct of it all. But actually it's for the sake of the world. It's that we would love one another in such a way that the world would take notice. It's that we would, it would, we would serve in such a way that the world would take notice. That we would live in such a way that our ordinary, everyday lives would get the attention of those that we rub shoulders with. And so last Sunday we, we, uh, we talked about his presence. We talked about the idea of uh, the reality of him being present everywhere. He is present everywhere. But the charge to us as followers of Jesus, followers of the way, followers of the words and the ways of Jesus is to make him visible. He is present everywhere. We looked at the story of Joanna Thomas, an ordinary suburban woman from South Africa, who acknowledged that even in Polesmore prison, notorious for being the most violent, the most violent prison in South Africa, acknowledged that even there, God is present. God is present, but he has called us to make him visible. And that's what she did. That was her story, uh, and she made him visible in the in the cells of Polesmore Prison in South Africa. 
And so we finished off our time. Uh, we finished off our time last Sunday morning. Want to offer practical ways that we can extend the presence of Jesus where we are, where we find ourselves in our ordinary everyday living. And that's what we want to continue to do. We want to continue to do that over these, over these weeks and months is, is ask ourselves, are there daily ways that we can extend Christ's presence where we are? And what we offered last Sunday was, was the challenge of being with the least of these. Being with the least of these. And you'll find it in Matthew, Matthew chapter 25. It's whenever we come and, and stand, come alongside the hungry, come alongside not too close to the naked, when we come alongside the, the sick, when we come alongside those in need, um, those that are distressed, you, have, you, you do it unto me, Jesus said. His presence becomes visible. And so we invited you, and we invited you to, to challenge yourself with that, that idea of extending Christ's presence in your ordinary everyday life. We finished off our time by, saying, by asking, would you take time Take time over the week to just to pay attention. Would you take it? Would you take time just to wait? And if anybody is anything like me, you'll find that that is probably more challenging than the being with the least of these to wait. And I found actually during the week that not only was I waiting upon him, not only was I trying to pay attention to him and to what he is saying and to what he is doing, but actually I began to pay attention to what is going on in me began to pay attention to the emotions that, are, that rise and that can only, I think, rise when we stop and we wait and we pay attention to ourselves and also paying attention to him. Go to Matthew chapter 18 as we, as we consider another way, another way that we can daily extend the presence of Jesus where we are in our ordinary, everyday living. I'd love you to go to Matthew chapter 18. I want to challenge us with some thoughts in Matthew chapter 18. And, and then if, I think I want to use Matthew chapter 18 as a bit of a springboard into Matthew chapter 7. Let me just read the verses. If your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault just between the two of you. If he listens to you, you have won your brother over. But if he will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, treat him as you would a pagan or a tax collector. I tell you the truth, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything that you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three come together in my name, there I am with them. Father, I just pray that uh, as we have already acknowledged this morning that you are, that you are ever present. And we just want to ask that, that uh, it would become particularly, it would become particularly manifest as we open your word, as we gather around the, the words and the ways of Jesus. The Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would come and, and influence every thing that I say, every motivation of my heart. The Holy Spirit, you would come and, uh, and unite us together. We're do, we want to do this together. From the very beginning, you've called us that we would do this together. This community, you've come to redeem and restore community to a 
people unto yourself. And so we gather around your word today as, as a people, as a body. We exalt your name, we bless your name, we pray that all that would be said and done would be to lift high the name of Jesus. Matthew chapter 18, verse 15 to 20. The practice that I would love us to consider this morning is the practice of reconciliation. And in Matthew chapter 18, Jesus is, is challenging us on our about our relationships with one another. He's talking about he's talking to those who have who have said yes to Jesus. He's talking about those who are brothers and sisters in the Lord. And what do you do? What do you do when there is when one has sinned against you? And if I can just say how this would have been understood back in the rabbinic teaching in the first century was not just when somebody committed a grievous sin, but it, was, it could mean, it could allude to any issue of disagreement. So we're not just talking today about, about what to do when someone has sinned against, sinned against you necessarily. We're talking about what do we do? How do we reconcile when there is an area or an issue of disagreement? talking about relationships with one another. And I think as we read Matthew chapter 18 and those few verses that we read, Jesus is particularly present when we reconcile. Jesus is particularly present when one or two commit themselves, submit to one another to restore relationship. And you will, you'll, I, I think if you've been around here any length of time, you will know John 17 is is the place that I find myself going back to over and over again. I need to go back to John 17 over and over again. Because these were the words that Jesus prayed just before he was arrested. And I feel like they're of significant importance for the disciples who heard him, but also for us. In John 17, we, we get an insight into the heart of Jesus. And as I've often said, it feels like it's the unanswered prayer of Jesus that we would be one in the same way that him and the Father were one, are one. And that's what he's longing for. And I think that's why he is particularly present. That's why he particularly shows up in, that, in those moments when a brother and a sister will reconcile, will restore relationship. It is of huge significance to Jesus. And as I've said at the start, we're trying to put his words and ways into practice for the sake of the world. And Jesus said in John 17, in those, especially those verses 20 to 23, he says, do this so that the world would believe that the Father sent me. Do this in such a way, reconcile, restore, be united, come alongside one another in such a way that, that the world can't, can't deny that I am who I have said I am all along that we would be one so that the world would believe. And part of me hopes this morning that I, that I haven't exhausted the conversation around unity. I haven't exhausted that in such a way that we begin to hear unity and it's become such a buzzword that we almost allow it to roll off. This is of huge significance, I think, to the heart of the Father, to the nature of the Son, to what the Holy Spirit is, is here to do. And I just think when we participate in reconciling, 
participating and reconciling with one who has maybe who has maybe harmed us in some way, one who has maybe spoke ill of us in some way, one where we have a level of disagreement. I think what we want to say is Jesus promises to be present in this space. Jesus promises to be present in this space. And I think it is one of the most, I've I've had the opportunity to be part of some moments of reconciliation. I've had the opportunity to read some incredible stories and always it feels like the kingdom is breaking in. The king, Jesus says, my, my, king, my kingdom is not of this world. Those of you that, that, have, that have been caught up in the rule and reign of Jesus, everything that you do, everything that you say, every priority that you lay down, it's going to be different from the world. And so when we commit ourselves to coming alongside those that we disagree with, it is a moment that the kingdom breaks in. It is a moment that the kingdom of God is present, that the presence of Jesus is real in those times and in those places. And, and I, I truly don't know if this, how real this is for some people in the room this morning. But I'm hoping just that it, that it, would, that it would stir something, it would, it, would, it would provoke some sort of response. But know this, please hear this. We come to talk about reconciliation. When we come to, to talk about standing alongside those that we, that we disagree with, the goal is not the goal is not punishment and the goal is not vindication. When we come to talk about reconciliation, when we come to talk about, about these things, the goal is always restoration. The goal is always healing. It can never be for punishment. It can never be that one side wins and one side loses. It can never be that we come together to find out who that is. Come together so we can finally find out who is right and who is wrong. And I just feel for the church, I think for, for me, part of my experience over the, last, over the last wee while is to lay down my right to be right. I lay down my ego. I surrender my ego. Surrender my right to be right. See, the call, the, the charge, or the call that we, that we made last week we suggested last week the call for each one of us is to make a loving God visible. The charge for each one of us is to make a loving God visible. The charge is to become fully present to a God who is fully present to us. And for me, this morning, I want to suggest that the charge or the call is to become present to a brother or a sister in a way that recognizes Christ's presence among you. Become so present to a brother or sister in a way that recognizes Christ's presence among you. Me and Judith uh, had a great afternoon yesterday with friends that we haven't seen in a while. And, and part of a conversation turned a uh, uh, conversation around authority and the experiences of authority in school, the experiences of authority in the workplace, the experiences sometimes of authority in church. I don't know if what your experience has been, I'm almost too nervous to ask, of what your experience has been of leadership within churches. But if your experience in any way has been that you have been lorded over as a church leader, can I say sorry? Because it was never meant to be the way that we were to lead. It was never meant to be the way that we would serve and love one another. Jesus said it himself, didn't he? Don't lord it over one another in the way that the Gentiles do. And, and, I would, and I think that when we come to this conversation of reconciliation, 
We don't come. We don't come with any presumption of power. We don't come with 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 any uh, with anything other than a commitment to submit to one another. And, and you know, um, even in this moment, I'm so aware of the challenge that that is, because I, I know that there's things that even a brother and sister has done that still hurts. There's issues of a, of of disagreement, maybe even among family members. It just seems that has just went on for so long that the thought of that being restored seems so far away, never mind the thought of submitting to one another. But that's what we do in reconciliation. There is no presumption of power. There is no power trip here. There is no one, one the person coming in with a greater level of power coming alongside to reconcile with those on some sort of lower level of power, if that makes sense. Call and Paul carries that right through his teachings, right through his his letters to the church. Don't don't live in such a way that you're lording over one another. The call is always submission. Submit yourselves to one another. Even in those areas of even in those areas of disagreement. You want the kingdom to break in, you want the presence of Jesus to be tangible. You want to know what it's like for that promised presence to become available, then submit to one another. The one who feels that he has been sinned against, grab the other one and sit down. Submit yourselves to one another and see if there's a way for restoration, see if there is a way to heal. And so some of these things, I'm aware now that some some of these things that I'm saying I can say these things in one line. It could take me a few seconds and and I don't want you to carry any sense of guilt. Some of these things that I'm saying, I'm still wrestling through this. This is a, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a it's a lifetime working this out. It's a lifetime trying to continually rearrange your life in, in order to follow the ways and the words of Jesus. So the last thing I would want anybody to do is hear me make some statement and, and feel like you have to, that if you're not there, that you would carry any sense of guilt, that you would carry any sense of shame. But what I, what I do want to suggest to you is that you need to get to the place some, at some stage. And even if there's not, even if there's not a place for that you're thinking, there's no area where I need reconciled at the minute. There's no area where I feel that there's such a serious disagreement that I need to reconcile even if there's not, I'm still suggesting to you that we all must give up our ego, that we all must surrender to Jesus as Lord and his kingdom. We all must do that. Last Sunday morning, we, uh, we let you know about the passing of Derek Laverty. And, um, and so I was at Derek's funeral on, on Tuesday. Uh, and by the way, Neville was one of the ones that, that came up to, to, to share tribute, one of one of four, um, or one of five, sorry, D- Derek's son, David, offered a beautiful tribute to his dad. But Neville did an incredible job, let me say that. He did an incredible job of bringing tribute to, to Derek, along with three other old friends of Derek's. And and, and, I st- and I've been, I've just been going over one, one of the stories for the last number of days, there was a man, Bertie, got up and shared about his friendship with Derek that went right back to primary school days. 
and uh, and Bertie was a follower of Jesus, as was Derek, and uh, and he talked he talked so elegantly eloquently about his he did it elegantly as well, but more eloquently than he did an incredible tribute to Derek, and um, spoke wonderfully about his friendship. But in the midst of it, he 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 shared about how him and Derek would have conversed often about um, about areas of theology where they didn't see eye to eye. And Bertie said, we, we disagreed often. We never changed each other's minds, but we, we submitted ourselves. He didn't say this, but there was a, there was a, you could tell that they just submitted themselves one to another. The, the, the end goal, I think, for both of these men was that they understood Love one another as I have loved you. Let that be your end goal. As you, as you work all these disagreements out, if your end goal is submission to one another, is to love one another, is to serve one another, is to speak well of one another, then you still maintain friendship. And so to hear Bertie still speak about friendship 60 odd years later, even, even in the midst of, of never fully agreeing on everything was just, was just wonderful. I was like, yes, it can be done. We don't have to agree about everything before we, we, even in this room this morning, we, more than anything, I want us to be, be a family that commits to loving each other really well. And I hope that there's people in this room that disagree with me about certain things. I hope that there's people that disagree with me. Actually, I hope, I hope there's people that disagree with me even strongly on some things. Because the very fact that you're here and you're still part of family means that we can, we can still love and serve each other really well. Because if we just surround ourselves, with, and you've heard me saying this all before, and I'm going off on a tangent, but, but if we just surround ourselves with everybody that, that looks like us and thinks like us and behaves like us, I just I think life would be not as fun as it could be, not as exciting as it could be. And so I, I'm, I'm longing that we would be at this place where we just would submit to what God is doing. If you've been part, if you've been up at the living room any time over the last number of weeks, you'll have heard us keep going back to the words of Jesus in John chapter five, where, where the Father is always at work. He's always working. And so rather than us coming up with our ideas, coming up with the 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 next the next fancy program, we just want to Father, where is it that you're working? Where is it that you're already at work and can we be a part of it? And I say, can we be a part of it? The answer is always yes. For the Father, the invitation is always participation. And so we want to submit to what he is doing. And I think that when we do this in reconciliation, he takes us together somewhere new. He takes us together somewhere new in our lives and in the life of the church. See, with this, with this language, with this ordinary people, we're wanting, we're wanting us all to feel like that, not to... Not to, uh, not to make you feel low or make you feel down or to make you feel that you can't do what you're called to do. That's not, that's not it. But we want us all to know that we're fellow, we're fellow travelers. We're fellow travelers. We're fellow learners. We're fellow strugglers. And so if I can, just more time's running on, but let me just share a few thoughts, try and land this using Matthew chapter 7. Something that I, th- that I hope would help our pursuit to reconcile well. 
something that has helped me truly, truly helped me in my pursuit to reconcile well and to love well, to submit well. Matthew 7, just let me, let me read the whole 12 verses. Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way as you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds and to him who knocks the door will be open. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though... You are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. I think one of the things that is going to help us and it has helped me in my pursuit to reconcile well, to reconcile in such a way that the, that the, that the presence of Jesus, the promised presence of Jesus, becomes so evident is avoiding judgment and avoiding self-righteousness. Avoiding self-righteousness. That is, that is a journey. That is one of those areas that I think we're maybe, if you're willing to be honest, we're fellow, we're fellow learners, we're fellow strugglers. And so I consider what it, what, it, what it would be look like. How, what would it look like to avoid self-righteousness? I go to, the second verse of this chapter. For in the same way as you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And so I find myself as reading through these verses again this week, asking myself the question, how do I want to be judged? Ask yourself the question, how do you want to be judged? Again, if you're anything like me, I want to be judged mercifully. But more than being judged with mercy, I want somebody to make their judgment knowing the whole story. And so that's, that's been really significant for me. And I'm, I'm not going to share stories because people will know that I'm talking about them if, it, if I share the story. But I, but I tell you that whenever you, you hold back your judgment, whenever you hold back your, your, the, the self-righteousness that comes over you when you, when you watch somebody behave in such a way, when you witness the language that somebody uses or whatever it is. And I consider, well, if I'm in that situation, how is it that I want to be judged? I want to be judged with mercy, but I also want to be judged. I also want judgment to come when they know the whole story. And so I would encourage you when we bring that back to Matthew chapter 18, that we would be ones that would sit down and listen well. Someone has sinned against you. Or if there's someone that there is a level of disagreement with, go to that brother and sit down. Or go to that sister and sit down and listen well. Withhold your judgment. Withhold your anger. Withhold your condemnation until you've sat down one-on-one and heard the story. 
hold your judgment, withhold your judgment until you've heard, until you know the whole story. See, part of the reason why we, why we invited you to, to, to try to pay attention, try to wait, is because we are, we're after self-awareness. We're wanting to lay aside self-righteousness and we want to be ones that would be incredibly self-aware. Andy Stanley is a pastor of a church, quite a large church in America. I love what he says, love the language that he uses. He says, love forbids me to size you up and write you off. Love forbids me to size you up and walk away. And so often when it comes to our passing of judgment, often when it comes to us seeing the, seeing the speck in the, the, the eye of a brother or a sister, I think the language that Andy Stanley uses reminds us that we, when we have committed ourselves to submission, when we have committed ourselves to loving one another in the way that he has loved us, that love forbids us to size somebody up to evaluate someone and write them off. It forbids us. It forbids us to look at them, evaluate them, size them up, and then walk away. See, the end goal is, as I keep on saying, is to love one another as I have loved you. The end goal is not, is not just that you would stop judgment. The end goal is not that you would just get the plank out of your eye. It's that you would love one another. And see, we want to be, when it comes to this, we want to be ones that will help. Paul, in his writings, even in Galatians chapter 6, it's Galatians chapter 6, I think, he says, if, if you see something that's going on, the right response, the right response is to help. The right response is to come alongside them gently. And in love, judging with mercy, coming alongside so that you hear the whole story. And so the log of judgment, the log of judgment blinds us from seeing a way to help. The log of judgment blinds us from seeing a way to reconcile. It blinds us from a way to seeing his presence being manifest, to seeing his kingdom breaking in. And to try and make this practical, I'm aware it's, it's very simple. But what I want to suggest to you this morning is when it comes to verses 7 to 12, I think often we have taken, I know I have, We've taken these verses in Matthew chapter 7 as a selection of the good sayings of Jesus. And so I think Matthew chapter 7 is one of those places where we, where we, pluck, out, we pluck out the verses. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will knock. And the door, or seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. We pull those one verses out and think they're just a selection of good sayings. But actually, this is the, the Jesus way of helping people change. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Is in the context of, of withholding judgment. Is in the context of reconciliation. Is in the context of, of, of loving one another. That's what I want to offer. I want to suggest to you anyway. So in light of judgment, in light of withholding judgment, in light of getting the plank out of our own eye so that we can see clearly to remove the speck from our brother's or our sister's eye. Well, what do we do? We ask. We commit ourselves to praying. And so if you're in that position to, right now where you think that there's areas of reconciliation, areas that need reconciled, 
relationships that need reconciled, levels of a disagreement that at least need to have a discussion before you do anything. Because often we, often we allow our mouths to start speaking before we've engaged our brain. And so I think there's something that Jesus wants us to learn. This is the Jesus way of helping people that, who need to change. That you would start by asking. You would start by praying. Truly praying. Before you even, before you even do what Matthew 18 says, before you even get to that place of, of going and, and grabbing them for a conversation, begin to pray. And watch what begins to happen as you begin to pray, as you begin to ask. Because I'm convinced for, for most of us, for a lot of us, what will happen when we commit ourselves to praying is that our, our thoughts and our attitudes will shift from the behavior to the wound. See, often we're, we, wanna, we react really quickly because of the behavior, but actually when we sit back and we begin to pray, we begin to wait upon the Lord, I believe the Holy Spirit begins to soften our hearts. The Holy Spirit begins to allow us to see that this behavior is coming from a wound and, the be, and it needs changed. It needs dealt with. We need to change this, but, but going after the behavior is not, always, is not always the wise thing to do. And so you begin to pray. And I believe the Holy Spirit begins to soften your heart. And I believe the Holy Spirit begins to identify where, where this, is, this behavior is coming from, from a place of hurt. This place is coming from a deep place that has been, that has been wounded. And so I would ask that you would, that you would do that, that you would ask, and that you would seek, and that you would knock. I believe that, that, that Jesus is showing us a way of helping people who need to change. So if we want to see people change, I believe we need to we need to pray, we need to seek, we need to knock. I believe we need to come alongside. See what judge what judgment does. And if you judge in the same way that I judge, judging makes us feel superior. Judging has this way of making us feel superior to the other. But look what Paul says in Romans fifteen. Romans fifteen says May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus, so that with one heart and one mouth you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another. Accept one another then just as Christ accepted you. And this word, this word accept, it's more, than, it's, more than just a, it's more than just a mental thing. This word accept is a, is a pulling in to pulling in and, and going alongside because we're after we're after the spirit of unity to be among ourselves as we follow Jesus Christ as our Lord that's what Paul that's what Paul was a, was about the whole way through his ministry because he he caught it from the stories and the words of Jesus and so that accept maybe you're not maybe you're not ready for that maybe you're not ready for a pulling in alongside but maybe for some of us there's some sort of reconciliation that can begin to take place even just in our prayer life. There's someone in our family, maybe there's a neighbor, maybe there's a friend who we've grown distant from, and maybe it, maybe it is because of some sort of secondary theological thing. It's maybe because of some disagreement. I'm asking that before you do anything that you would pray, 
Just see what the Holy Spirit wants to do as you begin to pray, as you begin to ask, and you begin to seek, and you begin to knock. At the end of, of that bit of the teaching of Jesus, he says, do to others as you would have them do to you. That's how he begins this conversation around judgment, and that's how he wraps it up ultimately. Do to others as you would have them do to you. And so there's a way that you can actively do that. I would encourage you to do that. If you feel like you can't pull somebody alongside you, but even at that, even if you're pulling somebody alongside you, to, if there's going to be two of you coming into the room to have a conversation with one, can I ask that your, your posture would still be one of submission? Your posture would still be one of, of we're not here for vindication, we're not here for punishment. We're not here so that one side wins and one side loses. The goal has to be restoration. The goal has to be healing. And so there's some active way that you can participate in reconciliation. I believe it's a, it's a practice that invites the presence of Jesus, makes the presence of Jesus particularly manifest. The exercise that I want to challenge you with, that I am challenging myself with, is not to gossip for one day. All the heads popped up there. Don't gossip for one day. And um, and I know some of you will say that uh, you don't gossip. And I don't want to call you a liar in church. Um, I think there's ways around that we have how we uh, how we have changed what gossip is. We'll call it evaluating, or we'll call it sharing a need. We're letting you in on this story because I think you need to pray about this. There's all sorts of language we've managed to put around it. But what I said to a few of the guys this morning, I think how, how I'm defining it, how I'm defining it for myself is speaking negatively about another person who is not present. And so I'm willing, I, I think I'm willing to be honest enough to say that I do that every day. I think there's times, there's moments throughout the day where I'll speak negatively or I'll think negatively about someone who is not present. And so the challenge that I'm making to myself and to you is that don't do that for one day. And again, as I feel like after, after Derek's funeral this, this week, I read a, a load of John Wesley quotes, John Wesley stories. John Wesley had these, had these things. I think they were called the bands. Bands, and they had just these group of three to five, three to five followers in a band that were just, that were just them. Active in their pursuit of Jesus, apprentices of Jesus, and these small bands of followers, and the advice that John Wesley gave to them is the advice that I'm taking for myself and for you. To these bands of Jesus followers, he said, "Do not not to mention the fault of any behind his back, and stop short those who do. Don't mention the fault of any behind his back, and stop short." those who do stop short those who do that can be really difficult that can be a bit that can be a bit of a challenge because whenever you do that there's sort of a sense of oh, who, you're very self-righteous all of a sudden or all of these sort of things are fired at you whenever you begin this begin to maybe challenge that but i want to encourage you that that i think restraint restraint inspires restraint and there's times where i've spoke negatively about somebody Another, somebody has stopped short or they just, they just have not 
they've just consciously decided not to enter in. And even the, that decision of consciously not deciding to enter in stops short, stops me short in my tracks. And so I think restraint inspires restraint. Um, I hope that's all right. So that's one of those times where everybody sort of starts shuffling awkwardly in their seats. We're done. But this is all, this is not, this is all of this, this idea of reconciling, this idea of, of not gossiping for one day. Or like, the idea is that the world will see Jesus. The idea is that we would live with each other in such a way that we would love each other in such a way that the world would see Jesus. And so maybe that's a silly exercise. Maybe for you that's an exercise that, 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 was, that was pointless. That's fair enough. But hear my heart. In all of that, I just want to find, I just want to find practical ways that we, can, that we can live out the words and the ways of Jesus for the sake of the world. If there's ways that we can do that that, that that make him known, if there's ways that we can do that to love one another in such a way that the world will know that we are his disciples, that we belong to him, that we're following a different kingdom, that we're living a different way, then I'll just keep firing any suggestion, if that's okay. Hoping that you will fire some back. Hoping that we'll go on this journey together of trying to become increasingly like him. The, world's, the world needs to see him. The world needs to know the present Jesus visible. So, Father, thank you for thank you for these people. God, I'm I feel in this moment overwhelmed with gratitude for the joy um, in serving together. Overwhelmed that we are a people that just want to, as fellow strugglers, fellow learners. Fellow travelers, God, we just want to we just want to learn together. We want to love one another really well. And so, would you help us do that? Not for the sake of a fuzzy feeling, not for the sake of feeling good about ourselves, but for the sake of making you known, making you known, and making you beautiful. We worship you. Amen.